This is the fallen angel Christopher Daniels, former TNA X Division champion and former TNA World Tag Team champion, and you are listening to the TNA Cross the Line podcast. Enjoy. TNA Wrestling Cross the Line. And we're back with episode 217 of the TNA Crossline Podcast. I am Bob Cunningham Jr. With me, as always, is Dallas Greeley. In Dallas, it is a new era for TNA. It's the era of Captain Charisma because he is the new NWA World Heavyweight Champion. That's right, folks. In our last episode, he defeated Jeffrey Jarrett. The reign of terror is over. At least for now, we have a new face to run the place. Christian freaking Cage. Dallas, how are we feeling about coming out of Against All Odds with a new world champion? He is not a mid-carder no more. Um, I think this is actually super exciting. As you said, it's, it is it is a new era. I mean, we have been in this reign of terror of Jeff Jarrett's title reigns for, uh, I mean, really, since we left the asylum, right? Um, there's been two little breaks. Raven had it for a, a brief a brief time. And then AJ had it for even a briefer time. Actually, it was the opposite. It was AJ, AJ had it for the brief time, right? And then Raven got it. Yeah, AJ had it for um, a month. Mm-hmm. And then... Raven had it for like three. Yeah. So basically from May till September, Jarrett didn't have it. But two guys did. Styles had it for a month. And then Raven had it the entire internet era. Which is like the a big point to bring up here, right? Like he didn't have it in front of essentially anyone. Yeah, I think the context is major there. Yeah, unfortunately, it is. Um, so, really, our arguably our biggest audiences that have been seeing it and uh, biggest shows have been Jarrett until yeah. against all odds. And wait, wait till we get into the notes about this. Uh, Dave points out some really interesting stuff and um, some reasoning behind the switch. So, I, that's going to be a really fun conversation. But just I don't know, dude. It's so exciting to finally see something fresh. It's not and like listen, love AJ Styles, but if it was just AJ beating him again, okay, we've seen that like three times. Like we have a brand new NWA champion for the first time in a while. Yeah, I think you could safely say that in terms of like Jarrett being the champion, that the main event scene it became so stale because we even really before Christian got there, I mean, who who could beat Jarrett and have it be fresh? You know, Rhino beat him at Bound for Glory, and what is a good story for a show? And then he promptly loses it two weeks later on the special impact or whatever. So then Jarrett immediately has it back. 
if we were to go back to this whole AJ thing, that's something that we've seen dating back to 2004, 2003 in the asylum where AJ beats him and whatever. There's no real depth to it. I mean, like the whole Chris Harris thing in early 04 that they fumbled bad. Like he should have, Chris Harris should have probably won the title in April of 2004 and they pivoted Absolutely. to Styles instead. I mean, I, I believe in our interview, Harris even like told his family like he was going to win the title. And then yeah, I mean, shortly before they, they switched it. Yeah, so. which is crazy. And yeah, as we watched along with that, I mean, that was, I'd argue that was probably one of the like, yeah, it was like, one of the first big, like, oh, shit. Like, they didn't want to do that, huh? That yeah. was a bummer. <laughs> yep. And then it's also kind of happening now in terms with Mountie Brown. So what we saw in 2004 with Chris Ayers is now kind of returning. Definitely in 2005, early 2005, when Jarrett was feuding with, like, DDP, National, all that. But that was a clear as day. When AJ wins it at Hard Justice, I argue that should have been Mountie Brown's spot to just win it there. Mm-hmm. Create this new guy and have Monty Brown be the champion through the internet era. I think that would have been perfect. Like, honestly. who cares? Like, at that point, who cares? You know, if you're worried about drawing fans to a TV show, it sounds, it seems like a pretty good opportunity to put the title on Monty Brown and have him become a main event guy through your internet era. But I understand why they would have done Raven. Raven was kind of the internet wrestler. You yeah, know, like that's fair. Internet liked Raven. Um, so, you know, certainly back then, the whole ECW nostalgia running rampant. Um, all that kind of makes sense. But now with Christian Cage as the champion, there is a level of freshness that is associated now with that. So let's just say that, you know, Jeff Jarrett gets a rematch or whatever. There's other heels that uh, Christian could potentially work with here. Obviously, Monty Brown is one. And on the pay-per-view itself, he had even mentioned, you know, hey, I'm coming after the winner. Mm-hmm. Kind of seemingly reaffirmed his association with Jarrett, which I don't think anybody truly wants to see that. Um, and then we also have guys like Abyss that could be uh, thrown into yeah, the mix definitely. here. Um, you know, TV matches maybe with like AMW. Single wise, mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, a double Austin Aries, Roderick Strong. You know, why keep it just the heavyweights? There's a ton of stuff here that Christian Cage could end up doing. So, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the direction there and let's see how uh, Christian Cage handles uh, being the top guy. Yeah, and I think I'm really excited because I mean, this is his first time being the top guy, right? And uh, we're going to be able to see how he does with that, like you just said. And really, I do think this run is probably his his breakout moment in his career. So it ends up obviously leading to much more stuff. So I'm pretty excited. Yeah, I think it's safe to say it's definitely a, a breakout for him. For people to see him in a different light. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I guess, Bob, let's get let's get into it. Uh, we are going to talk about Against All Odds, and we have a bunch of other stuff to talk about. But before we get into our Against All Odd Notes, let's talk about what the readers of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter thought about it. I believe we both gave it a thumbs up. Is that correct? Do you remember? Uh, I want to say that is accurate. I remember saying it was definitely better than uh, Final Resolution. I will try to pull it up. 
to confirm. However, my iPad is not working very good right now. It's going very slow. I don't even have the card up like I normally do for the shows. So it's going really great. Uh, it's loading. So I'm just going to assume we said a thumbs up. So, Bob, what did you think that the Wrestling Observer readers thought? Did they give it a thumbs up, a thumbs down, or a thumbs in the middle? I'm going to say they went thumbs up. Yeah. So 99.5% gave it a thumbs up. <laughs> Uh, which is 186 people. Zero gave it a thumbs down. And one person, one asshole, gave it a thumbs in the middle. So 0.5% were in the middle. That figures. It's absurd. That's that's hysterical. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. If you, I don't know, bro. I, yeah, I don't know. I'm not feeling it. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Um, I don't know if you have the card in front of you, but we're not going to read down the whole thing necessarily. But what do you think was the best match on the show? Uh, that's a good question. Well, I mean, I I would assume that they went with Joe Daniel Styles. Correct, they did, uh, by a very large margin. However, in second was the Jeff Jarrett Christian Cage match, which I do think it was one of Jarrett's best title defenses. I think it went very well. I I agree with that. Uh, what about the worst match? Uh, James Gang against LAX. That's right. Homicide and Machete. That's the only one that was voted there. So, I mean, pretty uh, pretty straight down the middle here. Sometimes we have four different matches listed. but uh, So, not today. Um, okay, so. Let's get into it. This is going to be this is gonna be fun. So, um, on the February 20th, 2006 Observer newsletter here. Uh, Dave says how Cage defeated Jeff Jarrett to headline a strong against the lots pay-per-view before the usual full house of 900 fans on February 12th at Universal Studios in Orlando. For whatever this is worth, our response level was down 11% from last month's show, which all things considered, if that drop holds up, they shouldn't be unhappy with coming off their record show. So I thought that was kind of interesting because it was very positive, but apparently they had at least he had less of a response. Uh, the idea behind the NWA title match is that after all the complaints last month about run-ins and ref bumps, there would be none underneath. Uh, they even promised no run-ins during the main event, but didn't quite deliver that, as there were a couple of Gail Kim interference spots, but they did uh, help the match. Uh, throughout the show, they had Larry Zabisco with Dave Hebner working as his shadow, telling everyone that anyone who came to ringside or interfered would be fired. No questions asked. Uh, Zabisco said there would be no interference. Kim came out with Jarrett anyway. And then when Kim did interfere, it was explained that she was doing it behind the ref's back. Uh, they had they had a few ref bumps and did the usual near fall sequences uh, out of them. In a sense, this it was booked in the end to be the predictable Jarrett match uh, with a different twist. Uh, Earl Hebner, which, by the way, who was the referee, uh, what was made ref so that people would expect the champion to retain via screw job. Now, we, of course, noticed when he, he, he hit the edge, remember? He almost did it, That's right. uh, which is ridiculous. Um, they went through all those spots, including Jarrett using a guitar shot beside, behind the ref's back, leading to a big pop when Cage kicked out. Cage reversed the stroke into the unprettier at 16 minutes, 14 seconds to capture the title, and the TNA and TNA arranged a cool visual at the end with fans hitting the ring and carrying Christian on their shoulders as a show went off the air. 
The feeling was that they needed to have a big celebration to get over the impact of the title change. Uh, which, I mean, it was pretty awesome. It was pretty cool. So I think they uh, succeeded at that. Uh, overall, the show is exceedingly well received. Uh, the first half was nothing special, but uh, only one bad match on the card. The second half was really good. Uh, while some would question the real significance of the title, they did a great job the entire show of getting it over. Jarrett did uh, good interviews. Cage did great interviews, particularly the one right before he went out to the ring. Uh, it was emphasized that it was the biggest night of his 12-year career and that they even played off his mid-carder role in WWE. And in the bullet points noted that there was no glass ceiling holding him back. The match wasn't the uh, the best bout on the show or second best, but the aura surrounding it led to the kick out when Jarrett didn't win and the three count at the end to have the crowd truly explode in a manner TNA crowds only have a few times in history. So pretty, uh, pretty exciting stuff, but it feels like a trend here. Um, there were certainly a lot of chaos leading up to against all odds. There we got some drama going on here backstage and stuff so this is gonna and we're gonna talk about this multiple times during today's show and during our next show most likely um so you're gonna hear this quite a bit so with a major storm on the horizon tna officials alerted all talent working indies on february 11th so the day before against sellouts to cancel their dates and fly out um when they could so i'm uh, a legit storm, I'm assuming, is what he's talking about here. Uh, Larry Zubisco had to pull out of a date in Boston. The entire Dave Hebner show in Virginia was canceled, since much of the crew uh, were booked on the pay-per-view. Ter- uh, Terry Taylor told Gabe Sapolsky that the TNA wrestlers were being pulled from his show in Lake Grove, New York. This is a ring of honor, of course. Uh, five, five were scheduled as Jay Lethal, Alex Shelley, Homicide, left for Orlando. Roderick Strong and Austin Aries, who are the ROH Tag Champions at the time, although they were not scheduled for a defense, uh, did not leave. Hold on to that. We're in, they stayed at ROH. They did not come back. But they weren't scheduled for a title match? On the Ring of Honor show, yeah. But they were, but they were booked. I mean, I'd have to assume. Okay. So just... Just hold on to that. We're going to be talking a lot about that. Uh, Uh, So they did manage to get a flight out of New York right before the airports closed and made it to the show. Uh, However, I'm thinking he's talking about all of them. Um, However, management uh, was nothing less than furious at them for risking the show. Um, A backup plan was booked with. So this is, I believe, about talking about Strong and Aries here. So there was a a backup plan uh, was booked with David Young and Elix Skipper taking their place against the Naturals. Um, while time will tell what happens and time usually heals all wounds, although in this case, they are, they are deep and it may be quite a bit of time. The airy strong minis push mini push looks to be over. We'll be talking more about that. So hang on to that thought. Um, likely through the company also is shocker Apollo, uh, because he worked in on February 11th for IWA in Puerto Rico. And we've talked so much about his airplane. Essentially, he lies. He just he misses his flights. Blah blah blah. Well, they they must have tried to fly him in for the pay per view, um, because obviously Machete was there, which I'm going to mention in a second. Uh, 
Well, he never showed up to take the plane. Uh, like last month, like last month, he called ahead and said his flight was canceled. However, unlike last month, when he claimed similar problems, this time TNA checked and his flight was not delayed. Uh, he even told people in Puerto Rico that there was a bomb scare at the airport, but there was no such thing as that was also easy to check. Uh, there was one report that he missed the flight, but went to the airport to fly standby, but couldn't get on the later flight. Now, Apollo is known for not liking to do jobs, as that has been an issue in Puerto Rico. But he's worked TNA in a bottom role doing jobs regularly. The plan was for him to do the job in the match, and afterwards have Conan and Homicide turn on him, although he likely wasn't aware of that. Because they're trying, they essentially wanted to write him off because they're sick of his shit, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so a Florida-based independent wrestler named Ricky Vega, uh, which ends up being Machete, was backstage at the last tapings, was there and asked to fill the spot. Uh, so they used the name Machete. Uh, he mainly works for a coastal championship wrestling and is believed to be uh, from the Miami area, although he's worked for 3PW in the Northeast. Names like Loki and Ricky Banderas have been uh, banded around as possible replacements. There was talk on the 214 taping, which we're about to be watching, um, about bringing in uh, Banderas, but him and IWA have agreed to the deal. Uh, but of course, as this ends up happening a lot, politics got in the way because Jeff Jarrett and Dutch Mantel are currently doing business with WWC, so they would not greenlight uh, Banderas coming in because. IWA, WWC drama, you know? Sure. So they're suggest so they're going to have basically Apollo be kicked out of the group, and they don't think that he knew that. Correct. I don't, that makes it sound like there, there wasn't a reason why he should have known it, essentially. Now, my next question is did Conan know that? I guess I don't know. That's it. That I feel like if Conan knew that, he would have told Apollo. Yeah, that's a fair point. Look out for the boys. So yeah, although see, but it still is like a little weird because it's not like what he um, he being Apollo did isn't unlike him. He seems to do this a lot. Yeah, but he might especially not want to go if he is not only losing, but then is basically losing his job. Yeah, that's fair. He's doing the job twice. Yeah, true. I don't think he wants to do that. So, just interesting there. Right. Um, okay, let's let's do our uh, a quick rundown and star ratings of Against All Odds. And then I think, let me just double check here. I think we have a couple other interesting things to discuss before we get into the show. Yes, only a couple others after. So I want to look up this, uh, uh, What as you're doing yourself here, I'm going to look up that Ring of Honor show. Cool. Yeah, that'd be good. I don't know if like if it's no like if you're something you're gonna note, but I'm just gonna look it up anyway. Um, I don't know if I have more notes like, on that show specifically. Um, okay. Not to my knowledge that I can remember. I was also reading these at like one last night. So. Um, okay, so we did not see the pre-show. However, there were two pre-show matches, and there is a note about them. So Ron Killings pinned a one in a minute and forty-three seconds after an axe kick. They botched a spot bad and went right to the finish way early. Not a good showing for a one at all. So apparently that did not go well. Lance Hoyt and Cassidy Riley and Sharkboy defeated Shannon Moore, David Young, and Elix Skipper in 5 minutes, 49 seconds. Basic match uh, story is that Moore and the Diamonds weren't on the same page. First, the Diamonds wouldn't tag Moore into the match when Skipper had Hoyt pinned 
Moore made the save by kicking Skipper. Skipper then attacked Moore, finished on Moore, then distract Skipper, and uh, he turned around into Hoyt, delivering the Texas time bomb, a back suplex into a choke slam for the pin. Decent is what he writes out. Decent. Yeah. Okay, on to the main show. The Naturals, Chase Stevens and Andy Douglas, defeated Roderick Strong and Austin Aries in 10 minutes, 29 seconds. The first big spot was Stevens doing the shooting star press off the top rope to the floor onto Strong and Aries, which like was shocking to me. I just did not expect Chase Stevens to do this. Unfortunately, during this, uh, Aries' leg buckled in an ugly way underneath him, which I didn't think we noticed, at least right away during the show. I can't remember. Uh, his knee popped out, but apparently it wasn't that serious. But uh, sure looked horrible. Uh, it's believed he suffered a strained ligaments, but was able to work TV two nights later. So, spoiler, we're going to see Austin Aries. Yeah. Um, he did limp around during the ending of this match. Um, they did a series of near falls, but it was sloppy in spots. Douglas pinned Aries after the double-team natural disaster. Dave gives this two stars. Next up, yeah. Jay Lethal won a four-way over Matt Bentley, Alex Shelley, and P.D. Williams in 10 minutes, 39 seconds. You can see this match was booked to elevate Lethal from a jobber into a player that they gave him a lot of spots where he looked good. We, we noticed the same thing, uh, that this was definitely a lethal showcase match. Well, as soon as he won, I was like, well, there's he's he signed the contract or something because he's definitely getting a push now. Yep, yep. Um, they did the spot they do in every Bentley-Williams confrontation where Williams is mesmerized by Tracy's boobs and lost focus. Dave says, speaking of boobs, Jackie Gata came out and started slapping the hell out of Bentley for filming her, or, yeah, for his filming her. Um while this was going on, Lethal pinned Williams with a bridging pin, two and a half stars. I, I feel like the ratings are a little low. Yeah. Well, remember, he did say in the beginning he was not as good. So I, we're going to be picking, picking up here. Not this next one, though. Uh, the James Gang beat uh, Machete and Homicide in five minutes, 59 seconds. Conan was interfering constantly. Kip James kept up his reputation for most ridiculous look. Now, I will say, I generally take out what he says about uh, Kip James because I think it's silly. But he, because he talks about his shorts being too small and stuff. But like, that's kind of like his look. So that's the gimmick, isn't it? But literally, he's been saying shit like this for months because I, but I think it's so silly. But it's literally the gimmick. I mean, he's an ass man. So he's going to wear something that he talks about wearing his pigtails and stuff. Yeah. He, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. So I, I usually leave that out, but I'm, I'm pretty sure Meltzer had like an issue with the Goldust character. I don't, I think he, anytime a male shows maybe a feminine, Mm. um, persona or something. Right. Right. Or a characteristic. I don't think, I don't think Dave likes that. Interesting. I mean, it could be a product of the time, too. Maybe he's, well, warmed, yeah, maybe he's but, warmed up to it. Well, in, in the example, like, Goldust was like, I mean, I know they had done stuff like Adrian Adonis years before, but Goldust was, like, really amplified. Uh, well, yeah. That type of stuff, it's, you know, family-oriented. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it... I know, I know, I don't think Meltzer liked it, and I know, like, Pro Wrestling Illustrated would always bash it. Really? No. In the magazine, so... Yeah. Interesting. Um, in that match, uh, BG pinned uh, Machete with a pump handle slam. Uh, Machete didn't look good, he says. Well, nobody did here. 
Uh, Post-match, uh, Conan used the slapjack on BG when uh, Bullet Bob ran in and Conan jumped out of the ring, basically said he'd choose, he'd choose the time. Conan got a lot of heel heat, which is pretty difficult to get in Orlando unless you're Jeff Jarrett. He gives this three and a quarter star. I would just give it a star. I don't I don't like the quarter stars though. I don't like when it's like three and a quarter. It's like what? Yeah, just I mean I could I can understand half. Like half a star. It feels like it makes more sense to me. But th- when you go like I and I think I very rarely do a three and a quarter, but that's like you're really like a four and three quarters match. Like get, get the come on. Just give him the five. Yeah. Well you'll in be saying just give him the one. You'll be saying that again in a second. Chris Harris and James Storm retained the NWA tag titles over Sanjay Dunn and Chris Saban in 10 minutes, 43 seconds. Even though Saban had somewhat recovered from his ankle injury, which they worked, they think. So the, since injury aired the night before on TV, they made it a focal point on the match, which they worked a lot. Uh, they worked on his ankle most of the way he even says it. Um, Storm hit Dutt with a super kick, and they gave him the death sentence on him for the pin. Unfortunately... Sanjay Dutt suffered a concussion from that move because after the match, he didn't remember the post-match beatdown. Uh, he was handcuffed in the corner. Harris got the chair, but Saban got it from him and chased AMW out. So, um, I guess I'll give you another slight spoiler. Uh, they're both kept off TV <laughs> because of these injuries. <laughs> so we will not see them on this, at least this taping. Oh, Dutt and Saban. Yeah, because Dutt... Um, aggravated his ankle and Dutt got the concussion. So well, I'm glad they didn't have Dutt out there if he has a concussion. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, he gave that match three stars, by the way. Yeah. See that that's probably pretty probably a fair rating. Me going into that, I was like, this could be a four. Yeah, I think I feel like we were a little bit let down with how much they were really working the ankle, but that's exactly what it was. Yeah. After that match, they did an angle here where Jarrett was going to do going to do a promo, and Monty Brown came out. Uh, he was mad about not getting a title shot. Jarrett agreed to give him the next shot, and they shook hands. We've seen this so many fucking times. Uh, this was That's ma- at least the second time. At least, I think it might even be three or four. To be honest with you. Yeah, and I know for sure because he was always like, "Might as well just join him when he yeah. originally turned heel." Because like the whole context of it was, they shook hands, and Monty Brown was like. I'm only doing this so I can get a title shot. And then Jerry was like, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And then Rhino beat him. And he's like, oh, okay, great. Yep. Uh, well, they did this because to entirely make people think that Jarrett was going to win. Which, fair, because it's fucking Jeff Jarrett in a title match. I think that kind of made me feel like Jarrett was definitely losing. Well, yeah, I think once you're smartened up a little bit, it kind of is like yeah. they're doing that opposite thing on you. And we're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, after that, Rhino pinned Abyss in 15 minutes, 25 seconds. He says this match turned the show around and tore the house live, tore the house down live. In fact, this had way more heat than the past than the three-way. Uh, just a great brawl all over the building, both heated and intense. Funny because the first spot was botched. Uh, Rhino tried to pull the guardrail with the idea of jumping off the apron over the rail to Abyss. The rail didn't come in enough, and Rhino decided to leap over the apron, and it wasn't the best idea in the world. So remember, because we were like, why did he yeah. just jump like that? Yeah. Anyways, uh, there's tons of spots in this match. They juice. There's tables. It's crazy stuff. Now, of course, the biggest moment in the match, they were up in the upper deck area, 
Abyss kicked in the wall so it was non-existent. Fucking destroyed it. Four tables were laid out underneath. So Rhino then gored Abyss, but held onto the rail so he didn't go over. Abyss took the bump off the upper deck through four tables. It looked spectacular, but probably wasn't as dangerous as it looked. Rhino climbed down and got the pin. Both men got standing ovations when it was over. He gives this one three and three-quarter stars. It was, it was pretty good. It was, uh, yeah, it was. I mean, that... See, I don't know. I don't, it's, like, it's the kind of brawl that I want on a pay-per-view, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that's that's a high rating for that for those guys. The crowd was so into it, though, and I think that it helps. Did, the, and I think that's, like, yeah. what that's got to help be based on that's probably that's probably fair right that's how it is to me i feel like because i think it was yeah i think even watching it was noticeable like okay the, the crowd actually cares about about this angle or this feud or whatever no, i i agree with that uh, next up samoa joe retained the x division title in a three-way over christopher daniels and aj styles in 16 minutes six seconds not quite at the level of their 9-11 match at unbreakable but still an excellent match it wasn't easy for them, as the crowd was polite and knew the match was good, but it was hard to follow the finish of the previous one. Of course, there was tons of great spots in this. Uh, you guys can, if you want to hear the entire breakdown, check out the Against All of the episode. But the finish saw Joe knock Daniels to the floor and pin Styles after a muscle buster. Four and a quarter star. So, very good rating still. That's lower than Unbreakable. Yes, because Unbreakable was five. Right. And that's what I said. I said Unbreakable is better, but you said that that match was better. I, I, see, I almost feel like I need to watch them back-to-back, like, not, like, months apart, like we just did, but, like, truly back-to-back because it, they were both, like, really good matches. And I think you're the type of guy that whatever is the latest thing you've seen, that's the best match. It might be the best. Because it's fresh in your brain. It does I mean, it certainly helps, right? Oh, I mean, yeah, absolutely. There's others where um, I'm like, oh, no, the first match is better, but I don't know. I really enjoyed it. It was good regardless. Check them both out. <laughs> That's what I have to say. Yeah, Unbreakable is definitely the better match. But, I mean, if and if you're going to compare compare the two, then, yeah, against all odds, it's like the quote-unquote weaker, but it's also more times than not going to be the strongest match on your card. Yeah. We're comparing that. Because was here. We're comparing apples and apples here, Bob. Because I mean, literally, we're comparing a five-star <laughs> match to a a four and a quarter, four and a quarter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on. See, but as we discussed at Unbreakable, it was literally the f- only five-star match he ever rated a TNA match until literally twenty twenty-three. Yeah, well, yeah, and then he's done what two in like four mm-hmm. months. Then there was another one. There was just a five and a, what was it, five and a half? I don't know, I texted you. It was five and a half or five yeah, and a quarter or something. Yeah. It was, and of course, if you guys aren't caught up in current day Impact TNA Wrestling, it was Will Ospreay and Josh Alexander. Um, I mean, they were like really, really fantastic matches. So, yeah. Like, Bob, you probably haven't seen them. I think you should watch them. I mean, they're really good. They had, what, two? They've had two, and they're awesome. And I think they're both they both might be on their YouTube commercial free because the one that was on the um, episode of Impact, was the, I think the second episode was it the second or the first episode of Impact coming back, TNA Impact. Um, they put it on YouTube commercial free, so I turned off my DVR one, 
and I went to you because I watched it the day after whatever, and I I watched it on YouTube because it was longer. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was like twenty six minutes, I think, or something. Like, it was pretty good. Okay, two more matches. Uh, Team three D defeated Bobby Roode and Eric Young in thirteen minutes twelve seconds. As good as Christian's promo were on the show of Bubba Ray Dudley, your brother Ray, uh, did a promo before this match that blew everyone away. Dave says it was almost top of the line McFoley caliber. I don't know if I remember it being that good, but I don't even know what he's talking about. There's a backstage promo. He did like a, I think they did like an interview before, I, like right before the match. I know, but I feel like if it's something that memorable, I would that's, at least remember what he's talking what I mean, about. That's what I mean. I have well, no idea. to start the match, Team 3D jumped Team Canada. They did not come out their normal tunnel. Um, eventually in the match here, Young missed a moonsault, and then Rude accidentally clotheslined him. Young was pinned after the 3D. Post-match saw AMW do a run-in and tease putting Bubba through a table, but Ron Killings made the save. Three and a quarter stars. Okay. Uh, then next up, the main event. The one we already discussed pretty heavily, so a little, well, a little bit less here. But Christian Cage pinned Jeff Jarrett in 16 minutes, 14 seconds to win the NWA World Heavyweight title. Um, let's see. Uh, Jarrett eventually here. So Earl Hebner was knocked out. Mark Johnson was ended up being the referee. He then gave Johnson a low blow, which we discussed. I, I'm pretty sure we discussed this. Um, is very confusing and doesn't make any um, sense because in TNA at this time, Titles can technically change hands via disqualification, or at least they used to, but it was never brought up and wasn't talked about here. So, um, but anyway, so why would you give the ref a low blow? I mean, pretty risky on Jarrett's part and doesn't really make sense. I think we're kind of past that, at least to my knowledge, uh, theoretically, but although I guess yeah. you can't disqualify him if he's knocked out because his nuts hurt. So, yeah, but he would probably have a rough idea of who did it. Right? You'd think so. I don't think I've ever been hit in the nuts and I've been unconscious because of it. You're not a referee, bro. Anyway, Jarrett went for the stroke, but Christian turned it to the unprettier for the pin. Uh, it was really a hell of a pop for the finish and a great show ending where they set up people hitting the ring, uh, filling the ring and carrying Christian. Three and a quarter star. Oh, only three and a quarter? Yeah, I don't know. I feel it. That was just... As we've talked about in the past, wrestling is about the the moments, right? And this was a big one, and I think it was also a pretty good match, especially a Jared title defense match. Yeah, I think this was a really good one. Um, I mean, I do. I would argue this is probably a higher of the ratings of his Jared title defense matches, uh, but regardless. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking it'd be at least three and a half. Yeah, three and three and a quarter. Seems See, he's doing that quarter thing, man. I know, but I don't know. I try to avoid the quarters. Right. As much as I can. Um, Bob, I got two more notes for you. This That covered up our Indents All Odds um, discussion. Um, let me talk to you. Actually, I do have a note um, here about that Ring of Honor show. Okay. Uh, one more. So I'm going to do that first, and then I have one uh, final one, which I think is really interesting, and it's kind of fun just to think about it And as far as our timeline here. Um. So there were a lot of issues on that February 11th show in Lake Grove, New York, because there was a snowstorm. That's the storm that was coming, mm -hmm. causing havoc. So they announced that Lethal Homicide Shelley not being there because TNA pulled them, but noted Austin Aries and Roger Strong were staying. Now, there was a big surprise on this show. 
uh, and it was the return of CM Punk. Punk made the deal with Gabe Sapolsky, approaching Sapolsky with the idea to do a farewell when Sapolsky was in Lurch when Loki pulled out. Uh, Punk asked Tommy Dreamer for permission to do the date, and he agreed under these conditions. Uh, so he couldn't be advertised. He couldn't do a job. Uh, it was a one-time thing, and he couldn't be in the ring with any at any time with anyone from TNA. So it's pretty interesting. Now, this exploded at Raw two days later. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Uh, Dreamer agreed to it, but never told John Laurinaitis. Uh, or anyone else, and then went to England over the weekend to do an indie date. At TV, Triple H and Stephanie McMahon uh, went to him and asked him why he allowed a WWE wrestler to do a show that included so many TNA wrestlers. So, there's that for you. That's wild. Yeah. Okay, my final note. There's this new prospective wrestling promotion, Rob. Coming up and coming promotion called Wrestling Society X. Um, and they're debuting with a TV pilot taped for MTV on February 9th in Los Angeles. So I think this is like, it's, I just don't think about that this was like in this timeline right now. So, like, it's I thought kinda, it was later. So did I. Now, you're wondering, Dallas, why the fuck does this That's affect a, us? I, I wonder if it airs later. Uh, that could be it. That could be it. We'll have to do a check, a check on that. But yeah. anyways, if, you, if you're unfamiliar with what this show is, um, it was on MTV. It was a 30-minute show. And, I mean, so essentially, I don't know how to say this guy's name. Let me see. Kevin Kleinrock of Big Vision Entertainment. Uh, he formerly worked with Rob Black's old XPW. In recent years, has produced and been involved in the distribution of many pro wrestling DVDs, including Pro Wrestling Insiders, Shoot Interviews, and the Hardcore Homecoming DVD. Uh, which is why I know the Big Vision Entertainment name, because of Hardcore Homecoming. I believe it's on the back of them. Um, now, the show will be edited over the next few weeks, and if MTV likes the product, they will likely purchase 12 more 30-minute episodes to make a first season. And would be shot over a two-week period, daily over a two-week period. So they literally just shoot it every single day. I This is like, it's like so fascinating to me. I actually end up cutting quite a bit out of this, because we're not a Wrestling Side of the X show. Coming soon, but we <laughs> tempting. Anyways, the, why is it affecting us? Why is we're talking about wrestling side acts on a TNA podcast? Well, there are pl plenty behind the scenes notes that have resulted in some real heat behind the new, new group in TNA. So apparently, Delirious, who was scheduled for the taping, pulled out and may be signing with TNA. Um, the story was here that Delirious. Um, believe that they were signing for one or he and someone else were signing for one taping but by signing there was an option for the season which means that they uh couldn't go to tna or wwe until the end of the season which neither him or the other guy was willing to do so basically as they couldn't go anywhere until the show aired right it's kind of weird now tna also tried to keep sean waltman from doing the taping although he has never signed a TNA contract, and because TNA hasn't used him since his match with Raven last month. Ultimately, they could not stop him, which, duh. Uh, Waltman worked the show anyway, and apparently was getting a huge guarantee, as in far more than he earns per date with TNA. However, 
this is where it starts to get more and more interesting. Terry Taylor was at the show, and he flew home before the show after a discussion with new TNA CEO Kevin Day. Uh, Taylor tried to tell Day that he was not appearing on camera, only helping out backstage, and that Frank Dickerson, the previous CEO, had approved him coming in. So he approved it before the new CEO came in, blah, blah, blah. Day implied that if Taylor, who doesn't have a contract with TNA, worked the show, he couldn't guarantee that he'd still have a job. And you're probably like, why do they care so much about Terry Taylor? Well, TNA wasn't happy with someone who knew all the contract information on TNA talent would be in a management position with this group. There had been talk of Kleinrock doing a very different style wrestling project with TNA, but now that looks to be impossible. So, I mean, it is kind of a big deal. I mean, if he's got contract information stuff and then he's going to essentially be a in a management position here, that can get a little tricky. Um, yeah, I would say so. I just find it fascinating that TNA is treating Wrestling Society X as a potential competitor. I guess, I guess they don't really know what it is at the time, right? I think in hindsight, yeah. like, there's no way. Hindsight, for sure, there's no way. Right, but at the time, it's like, well, they're bringing in, like, top indie talent, and, I mean, just, okay, so it's down here, right? Just some names they got here. Waltman, Vampiro, uh, Puma, PJ Polanco, uh, Chris Hamrick, Teddy Hart, New Jack, Lone Star, Chaos. I mean, there's tons of, like, indie guys, and, like, Jack Evans, Matt Seidel. Dude, there's, like, tons, I mean, tons of people, as you know. I mean, you obviously know. Um, but it's it's so weird, because, essentially... They, like, shuttled people to, like, this secret location to film this. Um, they paid the people to be excited. Um, mm. it's, it's just so interesting. Yeah, I remember seeing a commercial for Wrestling Society X, and at first I was intrigued because it's like, here's a piranha match and, like, exploding tables and stuff. But then I saw the ring announcer screaming his brains out, running circles in the ring to interview these people. That's your favorite part. And I checked out. I was like, I'm not going to do this. I had some friends who were like super into it. And like, I just, I was like, I don't know if I can watch this. No. And another thing that annoyed me too is it was a half hour. What can you do in a half hour? Well, you can show clipped matches. Uh, which I hate. I despise that. Yeah. So that was it's, another reason. It's like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to watch that. Just make it just, and I, I want to say they did two, like back to back half hour episodes. So just make it a fucking hour. Right. Right. Like, what are we doing? But, well, it only lasted one. It was, as the DVD says, the first and final season. <laughs> Yeah. And it has like the unaired finale on the DVD and shit. It's like ridiculous. Yeah. Anyways, you'll see some reviews from me from that coming to wrestlingrecaps.com soon. Yeah, I've been waiting for that for 13 years. That happened. I think you're going to be surprised one day. Yeah, I can't wait to see it. Like in the drafts, it's going to say Wrestling Society X review, and there's going to be nothing in it, just a draft of an empty post. <laughs> Yeah, buddy. You just got the title written out. 
Oh, well, Bob, that is all I got to kick us off. Um, I'm going to have a very difficult time with the show. I'm going to just warn you now, um, as far as notes go, because my stuff is not cooperating. So I'm going to, this is going to be very difficult for me. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, I'm going to just kind of talk about this Ring of Honor show real quick. Um, outside yeah, let's do that. Of the uh, indie notes. So it's unscripted too. Uh, the previous unscripted um, had happened, I believe, in 2002. And that featured a really good uh, street fight between Paul London and Michael Shane, also known as Matt Bentley, um, about four years ago. Uh, but the whole idea of unscripted is um, nothing is planned. And obviously, in this case, a lot of guys were pulled from the show. So you don't really know what's going to happen. A lot of guys, as a result, uh, worked double just to fill out the show. And on the sh- on the show, uh, where Austin Aries and Roger Strong did not uh, leave on time but still made their commitment to TNA, I figured we can at least see what they did so on the show nigel mcginnis the ring of honor pure champion defeated austin Aries in 18 minutes and 54 seconds and then roderick strong became the number one contender to the ring of honor world championship when he defeated bj whitmer in 20 minutes and 11 seconds now the uh, appearance by cm punk i remember being uh shocked when i read it on the um, various wrestling news sites that I would check out at the time. And it's a very intriguing main event for this unscripted because CM Punk would team up with Brian Danielson to defeat Adam Pierce and Jimmy Rave. Whoa. They won that match in 29 minutes and two seconds. I don't believe I've ever watched the show, let alone that match, but that might be something that I will have to change to at least watch that match. Because, yeah, that uh, sounds pretty good. Yeah, that might be pretty in, pretty interesting to see. But uh, yeah, I remember seeing Punk was there, and I was like, oh my god, did Punk get fired? And I didn't know it, because I had been following his stuff in OVW, because he had not been on ECW TV yet, and that wasn't a thing. Um, so this is post, like, the contract signing and all that kind of shit that he did. But he's gone. Oh yeah, Te- technically. Yeah, no, yeah, he's gone. He's he's in OVW. So this is kind of this is a big deal, like a very big, yeah. like. Yeah, I'm sure that when he comes out, the people are going absolutely shit. That's pretty cool. Because I think his last Ring of Honor show is in August of '05. Good times, great memories, or whatever. Right. I guess Cabana, and he starts. OVW in the, in the fall because he has a few with like Brent Albright and stuff. Mm. Um, so yeah, no, it's he is not a, an independent contractor. He's definitely signed mm. for a few months now. So very interesting. That that's his final Ring of Honor appearance. I don't think he did one while AEW has owned it. So. Uh, no, not to my knowledge. Yeah. So that would be his final appearance. Although I think that when he uh, won the title and was like, threatening to go to, he should have done one at Ring of Honor. Uh, yeah, I definitely think they should have had him go to Ring of Honor. But Yeah, that would have been pretty cool. But what's even cooler is that we're going to start the new era 
of TNA. I say that every time there's a new champion. I said that for Rhino, and that era lasted uh, 13 days. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> well, this era of Captain Charisma, the peep show. The Christian the Coalition. Christian Coalition. There you go. Uh, That's how he rolls. It is. It's going to start here. It's going to start here on the February 18th, 2006 episode. TNA Impact. The runtime is approximately 41 minutes and 53 seconds. If you want to watch along with us, head over to the TNA Plus app or find it in your own personal collection. I'm going to count down from three. And when I say play, that is when the watch along shall be. So here we go. Three, two, one. Bob, this is TNA, the new face of professional wrestling. Oh, yes, I forgot this happened. So Larry uh, told Monty Brown backstage that he wanted his title shot at Destination X. He did not care. Right, and Sabisco will let him know tonight. And don't, oh, dude, I forgot Christian was wearing his WrestleMania gear. He also has a smoking wife. We found that out. Uh, we all, also, fun fact for you, when Zack Ryder, or sorry, Matt Cardona, won the NWA title, he was wearing gear that looked like Christian when he won the NWA title. He was wearing pants like that? Not pants. The style, though, like the white and the gold with like the design on it. Really? Yep. That's funny. Here's our intro to Impact. Oh, we put the Rhino Gore through the wall into it now. I There's figured they clips. would do that. There's a little new clips here. Now the main parts of where everyone's like blue and yellow and red, that's all the same. But all these guys are still here, so it makes sense. Well, the Impact Zone's looking a little dark here. Crowd's going nuts. See? New the era. new era of TNA begins here on Spike. Pow, 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 pow. Blowing our pyro budget. Fucking, we're not even a, two minutes in yet. I do think they do this every week. Yeah, they do. And oh. of course, Christian's going to start us off. You have to do that. As Christian makes his uh, entrance here. I can't tell you the dates because my thing's not working. But there were two explosion matches that were filmed during this taping. We saw uh, Elix Skipper and David Young defeat Lance Hoyt and Matt Bentley. And then Lex Lavette defeated Cassidy Riley. Oh, sorry, there's three. And then Chase Stevens and Andy Douglas defeated Mike Modest and Donovan Morgan. Well, what? why is Cassidy Riley losing to fucking Lex Lavette? I don't know. Are they finally going to push Lex Levette? Maybe. Because they've been teasing that for, I feel like, a, at least a year. Because they were going to put him with, like, what, Slash? I think, is that what it was? I think so. I think so. And do, like, a new, like, a different new church thing. That would have been kind of cool, I thought. Yeah, I would. I would have been fine with it, but. Christian's wearing the champion leather jacket tonight. He might have borrowed that from Jarrett, because remember Jarrett wore a leather jacket like twice. Yeah. Put the title on your shoulder. What are you doing? 
Is he going to do it all dramatically? No, he had to hold it up. I've been waiting 12 long years for this. You already did it against Alonzo, you dumbass. Now, they did not turn the lights on yet. He still has his, like, strobe entrance lights going on. Sting. Stinger? He's dedicating his title win for everyone who's been held back. And some guy in the crowd goes, Boo! (laughs) 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 Oh, my God. You don't have the right... What is... No, he's saying... I know you're saying other people have said that. I'm saying, what? Like, who you don't have it. Oh my god! Damn! What was it? Um, Vince McMahon thought he looked like like Leave It to Beaver or something like that. Jesus! That's what I thought it was. Now look at him. Christian Cage. Christian Cage. Yeah. You can't fool us, pal. We know everything. Nothing more than an opportunity. He made the most of his opportunity. He holding one of the most prestigious, no, the most prestigious title in history. Tory Funk Jr., Terry Funk, Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat, Dusty Rhodes, Jack Briscoe, and the list goes on and on, and he's not going to say Jeff Jarrett. No, he's not. Cody I never s- won that belt, did he? Yes. He did? At All In 2018. Oh, is that where he beat all this for? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It wasn't a very good, long or good reign, but he had it. But the moments, man. I didn't. I don't remember. Oh, Monty Brown. I do think, by the way, that Christian should have probably shouted out former champions that were in TNA, maybe. Oh, is he? It was like Monty Brown, isn't it? Wait, you want to be like Ken Shamrock? Ron the Truth King. Actually, yeah, I do. Because Ken Shamrock makes a lot of sense with Spike trying to do this whole bullshit Ultimate Fighter tie-in crap, too. And as a viewer in 2006, if he's naming, dropping Tory Funk Jr., I'm like, holy shit, that's pretty prestigious. No. And I think he should have done AJ Styles because that's AJ Styles. That's no, how I want to You want to put over the talent that, that's there. Yes. And Along, that alongside. Like a, that sounds the, reasonable. Alongside everyone who he just mentioned, all these legends. Anyways, we're backstage. I hate this Jared outfit, by the way. Dude. Oh my orange, god, what is he wearing? Orange this... pants, jean jacket, brown shirt. He looks like he got pulled out of an episode from Dawson's Creek right now. This is dude, ridiculous. Yeah. He's backstage with Gail Kim, Eric Young, and Scott Demore being interviewed by JB. Very interesting combination of people here. I also just want to point out Gail Kim again. Gail Kim. In the back. Bob's can't help but point her out. She's hiding in the back. He's got his battle plan put in place. It's not how many times you get knocked down. It's how many times you get back up. You're still the champ to me, Scott Demore says. Eight-man tag at Destination Night. Dude, we're getting matches the fucking left and right here. 
What's this eight man's hat? He'll tell us in a second. Sting quit after one day, he says. <laughs> Dude, you lost. Shut up, Eric. He's telling Eric to shut up because he keeps being like he's not gone. Can I see the tape? Oh, it's a VHS tape. A literal VHS tape. Not ages this show. Is that the tape I have? No, it's not. But That'd be funny. Miss Jackie, you're going to have to see. Oh, we're going to have a viewing party? One way or another, I'm going to deal with you, Jackie. So he's making it seem like this is the incriminating evidence that uh, Alex Shelley got for him. Right. Still to come. Team Canada versus Team 3D. Still to come. The if viewing they party. Reveal, if they reveal the tape, it better be, be, it better be something good. I'm going to be pissed. And speaking it of pissed, be. you're Shannon fucking Moore. Wow, dude. We haven't seen him since he beat AJ Styles, which is an interesting thing to say. Also, is his name not Shannon Moore? Is it Prince of Punk now? No, they said that before. He's still Shannon Moore. Oh, okay. They just announced him Shannon Moore. Yeah, they so announced so. him Shannon Moore. Oh, let's see. I pull up my notes on my phone because nothing else is loading them. Let me see what if there's anything I can give you uh, during the entrances of this match. Oh, now they came up. That's good. Second participant. Is that this Roddy Strong? It is. Uh, the TNA Impact's re- replay on February 6th did a .68 rating. Uh, U- the UFC Unleashed lead-in did a 1.08. The first run Impact going against the UFC pay-per-view on February 4th did a .72. That's not too bad. That's kind of low. Oh, our boy Jay Lethal. You sound like a fun song. He's going. He's getting over, dude. He's going over. I would say so. Anybody but freaking Shane Moore. Well, Jay Lethal here, who has recently signed a contract, we're assuming. Oh, yes. Uh, Now, I have contract news. And this is interesting. We've talked about this here before, but now we have official word on it. TNA is trying to get all new wrestlers that sign contracts to give TNA the rights to their name for merchandising purposes. Even if you sign the rights to your name over after leaving, if you established a prior record of that name before TNA, you can continue to use the name after leaving. Oh, okay. This is very important because we talked about recently, Bob. I told you about these weird, like, legend deals that some people have. Yeah. That's it. That's the contract. That's why, like, Abyss, he was Abyss before, during, he signed this deal, and he could theoretically use the name after. AJ Styles, same thing. Bobby Roode, same thing. Right. So, like, with this new figure deal they have, they could basically do, like, a retro line and be like, oh, hey, here's... Mm-hmm. Figure That's exactly one. why my interest is peaked in it. Right. Well, here's the thing. They better do that. Because, like, why wouldn't you? Yeah. They're, like, these legacy deals. Right. Oh. Three-way stu- German suplex. No, look at counter, counter. Do you think a guy like Kurt Angle would have done that? I'd be shook. Oh, what a German suplex by Roddick Strong. Goes for the cover, but Shannon Moore breaks it up. I feel like he wouldn't. I feel like he'd be like, no. No, I feel like he'd even know. Speaking of, since you just mentioned that, um, yesterday, as of this recording, I posted on Twitter, but, oh, nice heel kick by Shannon Moore. 
I got to meet Kurt Angle at a event, uh, like a wrestling show convention event, and he signed my TNA title, and it was pretty awesome. He was very nice. I told him how how much I liked his uh, TNA run that it's underappreciated, and he said I love TNA, which don't we all hear? Don't we all? Oh, I'm nice! I'm like back body drop into a hurricane run on the apron. Head scissor. Okay, head scissor. Yeah, you're right. Whatever. It's still kind of a hurricane run, but I'll take it. No, yeah, it, it's technically a head scissor. Is Shane more about to do a moonsault at the top? Whoa! Holy shit! Took out both Lethal and Roderick Strong. I feel like if Shannon Moore were to win the X-Division title, he'd put a mohawk on it. A mohawk. Why not? It would just make me dislike him more. That was awesome. Oh, shit. Shannon Moore throwing, he's throwing a nice T-bone suplex there. Right in front breaks up the cover, though. Shannon Moore's impressive, impressing Bob right now. He's speechless. I mean, he's looking, he's doing well. I mean, I like, as long as he does, like, X-Division moves, like, that's, I'm fine. Like, he'll, he might grow on me. I just don't think he really fits the division. And I say that as a guy like Roderick Strong isn't really a high flyer. He's more of like the vicious looking backbreakers and stuff. But I like I like Roddy and his his shitty little boots. Holy shit. Lethal gets the pin. On Roddy clean. I mean, that, that should tell you something. For not. He qualifies for what? I don't know. Oh, he's going to be in Team TNA for the World X Cup. Is that what this match was? A qualifier to be on the team? Wait, that, dude, this is funny because this is one of my notes, but they didn't tell us before because they'll be doing elimination oh, matches fuck. on TV over the next few weeks to get four members for Team TNA for the planned May World X Cup. Guys, it's February. They're starting this in February. Okay, what the hell? How am I supposed to remember that for May? They're probably not going to shut up about it. Good Lord. An official member of Team TNA for well, the that, that was a good uh that was a good match. Right. He's skyrocketing. Oh. You know, Don Wes wants to talk about somebody else. Ron the Truth Killings. He showed up to come to the aid of Team 3D. A video look. We're gonna see a look at Ron Killings. Sounds like an excellent time to give you some more um, notes. Oh, he's in the studio? I thought it was going to be like match look, but it's him talking. Okay. Every wrestler has had a rough upbringing. Rhino lived in Detroit. Ron Killings had a rough upbringing. Has anybody been like pampered? No. Oh, it's him and Tupac. He's talking about all of the opportunities he got and how he learned to be in music and dancing. And 
I wish I could tell you guys all the pictures they're showing us, but I only knew Tupac. His hair is amazing in these pictures. Oh, yeah, dude. Syracuse? Wait, what? Did he just say he played football in Syracuse? I don't think he did, did he? Oh, no. Oh, no. I think he was talking about he had the opportunity because he just said, I didn't want to go to college to keep playing football. Well, I'm going to see if he was recruited. I don't know if I knew he was a football guy. Music, family, faith. That's all the stuff he cares about. Okay. Still to come, the viewing party. Yeah, it doesn't say specifically where he was recruited. LAX. It says that um, to make extra money, he was selling cocaine. Yeah, I think he's been open about that. Yeah. Uh, James Gang being interviewed backstage. The dynamic duo rides again. It's Brian and Kip Pitch. James. Oh, he, oh, he stopped him here. And against all odds, you took your best shot, didn't you? Oh, Bullet Bob's here. As long as Conan is hanging with LAX, it's going to be like that. Bob Armstrong's trying to be like a cop trying to get kids off the street. He's like, man, if he's hanging out with those guys, Conan's in trouble. Bullet Bob is trying to get in this as for a six-man tag. Forget it. He's going to go sign the match now. Oh. He's got to get revenge for getting beat up. BG James is like freaking out. Six-man tag team. So, is it going to be Machete? Yes, it is. Homicide. Machete. And Conan. Uh, yes, yeah. I don't like Machete. Come on, dude. It's Machete. Look at Homicide and Conan. They are just, they look like guys you don't want to mess with. And then this guy is just like... And then there's Machete. Yeah. He looks like a guy that would be trying to sell me something at my door. Who in the world? La Migra? La Migra. It's Donovan Morgan. Um, oh, that's Mike Modest. Mike Modest. And I missed the last name, Bob. Do you have the card up that you could tell us? Uh, Ryan Drago. Hmm. Okay. A couple debuts here. Oh, my God. It's like an immigration police. That's their gimmick. He, he guessed, yeah, that's what it's short. It's short for um, a Spanish word. So, yeah, it's literally yeah, like so immigration place. And so they're fighting LAX. That can't end up well for them. No, because LAX is beating their ass right now, dude. Oh, my God, a dropkick oh, to the nuts. Right to the nuts Machete. by Machete to Morgan. So, remember, we've talked a lot about Donovan Morgan and Mike Modest trying to get a spot. And here they are as the immigration police. There's no way they're going to stick around with that type of gimmick. There's no way. No, that's there's no way. That's brutal. I wonder if it's something that they were doing. 
Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Like to me, that's something that you're doing if you're actively wrestling in Mexico or something. Well, that's a fair. Okay. Oh, nice double team move by Homicide and Machete on the other guy. Drago. And that's a three. Homicide. Homicide. Yeah, it should have been. Homicide got the pin. He's got the slapjack and boom, right in the head. <laughs> Remember, Conan is still uh, having hip injury, so they've been keeping his action to a very, very minimum. And he's literally the same people with the slapjack. But honestly, th- this is what Conan needs to be if he still wants to be like around, is like be in a group to kind of hide his injuries and like have the other guys work for him. Bullet Bob Armstrong. You interfered in my match? You think I'm afraid of you? Uh uh-uh. uh. You wanted me to assault you? I know for a fact you don't have a wrestling license. And I know for a fact you can't take me on. So if you want me on Destination X, <laughs> you take your Jigger you get your wrestling license. Because the last time we met, we sent you to the hospital. Next time it'll be permanent. Permanently to the hospital? Um, I think he means he's going to kill him, to be honest. Yeah, I think that's what he's saying. Yeah. I don't think you can send somebody permanently <clears throat> to the hospital. I guess I mean, if he some, was on a tube or something. Just cut it. Well, he would think. Oh, I only had one indie note for this whole show, and it was a homicide. Uh, he Back on February 3rd, he beat Balls Mahoney at USA oh, wow. Pro. So okay, we are backstage with Larry Zabisco in a fantastic shirt and Samoa Joe. And the smirk on Larry Zabisco's face, he's got a special announcement. Let's see what he says. I can't stress enough how proud the championship committee is of you. Winning the X Division gold, brother. You say brother? Mm-hmm. Okay. One match you have not competed in yet. Still kid. The match that defines the X Division. AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, Samoa Joe. Ultimate X. Samoa Joe's first Ultimate X. Samoa Joe says, I didn't know you were the kind of guy who makes mistakes. Zabisco looks terrified as Joe's being like, I'm going to fucking kill everyone, just so you know. No. Is your wife testing me, Larry? When stunts like this get pulled on me, they call you the living legend, right? They might just be calling you legend from now on. Whoa. Whoa, baby. Because he's going to kill him. That's back-to-back segments about murder. I know. I don't know how I feel about that. That's pretty dark. Looks like Austin Aries is coming out next. Wow. I'm assuming we're going to get in one of those elimination matches next up. Who knows? They don't freaking tell you nothing. Right. 
Um, I got an interesting note where I don't know where it fits, so I'm going to just tell you as these guys are making their entrances. Um, in this one, I, I should have teased you earlier. Uh, Fallen Angel Christopher Daniels out next. From the City of Angels. Anyways, uh, Bill Goldberg was on the Bubba the Love Sponge show on February 8th and teased the idea of coming to TNA. Yeah, okay. Now, there is no deal at the present time, but as best I can tell, both sides are hopeful. Uh, it's pre- it's premature to say if it's expected. Uh, the original idea uh, broached was uh, simply for Goldberg to make an appearance to plug the Pros and Joes show that will serve as TNA's lead-in. Figuring Goldberg has long talked like pro wrestling is something of his past and he's trying to make it in acting. However, Goldberg uh, was a lot more enthusiastic about working here. No doubt because his last match at Madison Square Garden with Brock uh, is hardly how he'd want to have his career end. Exactly uh, what is not determined, but if a deal is worked out, Goldberg could likely wrestle a few matches. I don't see him being a, the regular they build the company around like Sting is planned for this year, unless Spike is willing to kick in money. The money aspect could be difficult because Spike uh, was a big part of Sting's deal happening. Goldberg's motivation for coming back is also a lot more than you'd think. His disdain for the guy whose name he doesn't even like to mention, which is Vince McMahon. There's no way he's coming in here. Never know. No way. Uh, he's oh, By the way, Austin Aries is only fighting Daniels, so we misspoke. It is not one of those elimination matches. Speaking of Sting, though, since I just mentioned him, uh, Dave is saying that one would certainly suspect that Sting is going to return to TV on April 13th when we go to on a primetime special, which would set up for lockdown on April 23rd, which oh. they are expecting to be a blowaway show. Now, as things stand right now, it is more likely that the 4.13 Spike debut will be a one-hour show than a two-hour show, although no final decision has been made. Because, of course, TNA was pushing for a 90-minute show, but Spike is pretty negative about this. When TNA proposed, proposed the idea at recent meetings, they were told that they don't like the show to start on the half hour, which makes sense. Yeah. Oh, look at this. Daniels is locking in the Coquina Clutch. Oh, I thought he was about to beat him with that. No, because Daniel oh, Joe, no. Joe came out, yeah. They called it, even though technically Joe has not hit Daniels yet, for the mm-hmm. record. BME. Oh, but Joe held the title belt up. Is he going to do a blade job? That would have been a good uh, moment to do one, but... Joe with a running kick. I didn't realize. I just realized Daniel's like the back of his neck is taped up. Is it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, we got a steel chair in the ring now. Is it because he got muscle busted? Muscle busted onto a chair. Well, he's about to. Here comes AJ Styles, who then grabs the chair. Boom! Right in the back of Samoa Joe. Oh, oh god! Nice unprotected one in the head. Wow. It's like he knocked a big old trio. No kidding. If there's I don't any know how two I people. feel about this. Ultimate act, man, they're burning through this, this three-way. The three-way, I agree with that. This wasn't for you, he yells at Daniels and tosses the chair down. This wasn't for you. 
By the way, the Destination X poster in the background looks to appear that no one is on it. Yeah, it's just like an X. Yeah, just so everyone is keeping up to date with our poster talk. You know what this means? At lockdown, it'll be a triple threat cage match. They might as well. Slammiversary, triple threat reverse ladder match. My God. And we're seeing a highlight of the Ultimate X, so another note is what you get now. Uh, DDP was on the Stranglehold radio show earlier this month, and and he said that he didn't leave TNA because he was asked to do a job for Monty Brown. He said they offered him a pay cut, and he wasn't going to take it, and they knew he was on his way out and arranged for him to do a, do a job. He says, quote, I did not mind putting Monty over at all, even though I was supposed to beat him on that match, but I wasn't staying, so I was like, I'll do it, but this is what I want to happen because no one put any thought into it. And then when we did it, all the deals, everything to me, it was fine. So basically, he was like, I'll do the job, but I have to hit the diamond cutter on seven people. And Bob, I think I have one final note. And that's that that house show in Plymouth that they were talking about doing on March 17th. Well, ICP will appear at the show. so Because they're not moving tickets. So there you go. There you go. And that is all of our notes for today's show, guys. As Team 3D is here walking backstage. What's up? What's up? What's up? Brian Kunks is here. Oh, What's up? my God. I fucking hate that. What's up? <laughs> I'm going to tell everyone a good uh, Brother Ray story during the main event here. Bob already knows, but. I already know what? The story I'm going to tell at the main event. It's from yesterday. I have to. I didn't think I was going to have an opportunity, but this is too good. Yeah. Wait. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Paparazzi Productions viewing party. Let's go. But here comes Jackie. She just took the remote and turned it off. <laughs> it's Team Canada, which is only Eric Young and Scott Demore here. Gail Kim, Alex Shelley. Oh, it's a copy. I'm out of here, Jeff. You wanted me out of here long enough? So now I'm gone. Wait, is she quitting? Wait, we made a deal that you were going to be with us. Oh, he said, I'm going to give you the opportunity to be with us. And she goes, not if you're the last man on earth. What if I had the, the tape had the possibility of ending up on the internet? You would not go that low. They're making yes, it I sound would. like it's a sex tape. Yes. I bet you there's a scandal in um, pop culture at this time of a sex tape coming out. And so they're trying to tease it. Listen, honey. I'm your boss. Oh, oh God. Did he get this gimmick from Vince? Do you see what's happening here, Bob? Ooh, I didn't like that. That's quid pro quo. I just took a sexual harassment training. <laughs> Sting is gone. He's yelling at uh, Eric Young here. I love you like a brother, though, man. Okay, we're getting a better look at the old, the Destination X poster, and it looks like it's actually the Ultimate X with the title hanging on it is what's on the poster, but... 
Alex, so, go prove to this guy that Sting is a quitter. Go get on a plane to L.A. and get in Sting's personal life. Film his old lady. Um, and he goes to the PTA meeting. The snotty nose kids. Whatever you have to go. Prove to me with footage that Sting is a quitter. Oh, Gail Kim is like, Jackie, we're going to have so much fun. Welcome aboard, Jackie. Oh, okay, Gamora was creepy as fuck with that. Did you see what Jared, you were, I don't know if you really saw what Jared was doing, but it was not good. What was he doing? He was like touching her hair and is like, well, I'm your boss, Jackie. And that's why I said, is it Vincent? Well, okay, yeah, touching the hair, that's not really sexual, right? That could just be saying that she has nice hair. No, it is. I, I did a training and they literally did that exact same thing in my training. You can't go up to someone and touch the hair and be like, I'm your boss, honey. You can't do that. <laughs> no, you fucking cannot. I don't see anything wrong with it. Maybe at your work. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot you can do. <laughs> Fuck. Katie <laughs> Williams, A1, and Bobby Roode here, who have not been shown at all with the rest of Team Canada uh, tonight, which is odd, but they're here. But, okay, so the suggestion there with Gator and stuff, was it was definitely like a sex tape or something. I feel like that's what they're trying to tease. That's but. what they got to be hinting at. Here comes Ron Killing. Guys, we're getting ready for a main event. 32 minutes, 56 seconds here. I like how, like, WWE named him just R-Truth. They're like, okay. His nickname is Truth, and his name's Ron. R-Truth. Perfect. Yeah. Here comes his tag team partners, one of Bob's favorite tag teams. Yep. Brother Ray, Brother Devon. I'm telling you, dude, as soon as they win the tag titles, there's nothing you can do with them. There's nothing else. But we're really milking it to get to that point. Oh, which is we're absolutely. It's good for them. I'm still shocked, to be honest with you, that they didn't win it within the first month they were here. I would be surprised if they're not champions by Slammiversary. Lockdown. AMW Team 3D cage match. Uh, that could be pretty good. Yeah, maybe. Although, with the, how the feuds have been going, they're going to be in lethal lockdown, I bet. With I doubt they're going to do a tag match. So, are you thinking it would be Jarrett, Mountie, and AMW? As a team? Yeah, I guess so. Against, uh... Like, Team 3D, what, Team 3D, Rhino, and Cage or something? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. Or, yeah, yeah, I feel like... Yeah. That's good. <laughs> um, okay, as this match is picking up and Team 3D is doing the same three moves they do every match, they'll tag team like that. So, Side yes, slam, leg drop combo, dude. Come on, yeah. that's new. Two counts. So... The same thing where I met Kurt Angle. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to meet the Nasty Boys. They're here. They're like a, a legendary team. This would be kind of cool. And their price was really good. So anyways, I kept telling Bob I was going to go up and be like, hey, I loved your match with Team 3D in 2010. <laughs> <laughs> I loved you guys in TNA. So instead of directly saying that, I I started it off with like, oh, man, like your guys' brawls in WCW, like so awesome. And then, he, and then Nobs just goes, 
um, oh yeah, WWF, and then I was like, and TNA, and then he goes, yeah, uh, Bubba Ray Dudley, he's a pussy. He was in the office. He didn't want to work with us and this and that, and he was kind of rambling. Uh, but essentially, I, I mean, I, I got fucking dying, dude. Brian, I was sitting there like, Bubba Ray's a pussy. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry Sag's looking pretty good. Yeah, he was. He was. And then uh, the other, not less TNA part of this is. Um, they were like, oh, you got a Bullet Club jacket. Are they still a thing? And I was like, yeah, Bullet Club's like, you know, they're all over. They're in Japan. They're in TNA, whatever. And then all of a sudden, Brian Knobs is like, what happened to the Young Bucks? I was like, what do you, what do you mean? Well, no one's popping for him anymore. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> What's happening right now? I'm talking to the nasty boys about the Young Bucks not getting a pop, apparently. It was it was insane. A1 working over uh, killings here with a bag break. Puts him in the tree of whoa. Which probably means Petey's going to step on his nuts. Yeah, he is, because here it comes. Yeah, there you go. Oh, can. They're keeping the ring separated. Keeping killings into their corner. That's just good tag team wrestling. That's right. Good six-man tag team wrestling at that. We should have a trios title. No, we don't need that. You don't need to have too many titles. Keep it simple. Have your world, a mid-card, X-Division, and a tag. And if you were to develop a women's division, have a a women's title. Yeah, that'd be nice. You don't need to have seven mid-card titles and three titles. You, just, you know, how many titles are in AEW? About fifty-seven. Um, if you're talking about ju- just AEW titles, there's at least thirty. But <laughs> well, there you go. So if you're counting Ring of Honor, you're gonna lose count. I may have lost the AEW uh, Continental Championship, but as a result, I'm the number one contender for the Ring of Honor Television title. So I'm gonna go for that one. All right, bye. Oh, stunner by Killings to Petey out of a suplex attempt. But Killings has been beaten down. He is exhausted. Can he potentially make the hot tag? I would assume he will. And he dives. And here comes the shredded Devon. Cleaning house punch for Rude. Devon. Punch for A1. It's cleaning house here, bro. Backdrop for Rude. See ya. A1. Neckbreaker down. Clothesline for Rude. Brother Ray's is like, I'm going to hang out on the apron this entire match. Forearm by Devon to A1. Jesus, Devon's on fire. Lifting reverse DDT to Rude. Cover him. One, two. Oh, but the Canadians break away. It was like the curtain call, dude. Was he gold dust? Oh, it was. Yeah, it's pretty much, that is pretty much what it is. Uh, Brother Ray, though, came in and made the save. He decided to do something. Yeah, well, he didn't want to work with the nasty boys. No, he was in the office, you pussy. Yeah, he was. Setting up. For he the, also didn't tell that? Hulk Hogan about him and his daughter. Why is he spinning Ugh. like that? Diva with a headbutt. Yeah, why did he spin him? I don't know. Make him dizzy. Oh, boom! Back suplex neckbreaker combo for Petey. Tag in Ron. 
A1 slam by Ray. We want Killings to do it now with the, probably the leg drop. Are they doing the what's up? No. Oh. Oh. Leg drop to the nuts. He's yelling at the brother Ray's like pointing at the crowd. Oh. Wait, wait, you're not Devon, you're Ron. Dumbass. Yeah. Wait, did he actually call him Devon? Yeah, I think so. But, you know, because the whole oh. cliche. He's not supposed to say it, but he just did. Sorry. Sorry. Get the tables. We're crossing the 40-minute mark, so we're counting down here at the, at the end of our show. A1 has gotten control with some elbows to Ron. Oh, A1's got truth going for a slam. No, he gets sent in the ropes. Killings with a kick. Spin off the ropes. Scissor kick. A- X kick. X kick. One, two, three. Clean in the middle. That's what A1 is essentially for. Just Oh, here comes AMW, though. Don't get to celebrate. Great. Oh, he's got the handcuffs. Well, Truth and Rhino against AMW next week on Impact, I think they just said. Yeah. Speaking of Rhino, Storm bad drop to the floor. Uh-oh, Harris, turn around. Hurt, dog, dog, oh. Lord. That was, <laughs> that was awesome. That was really good. Oh, they're getting a tag title shot. Oh, this is wow. One of the number one contenders. This is what happens when you don't have a ranking system, okay? Okay. Well, I'd rather this than a ranking system, personally. Oh, hold on. Backstage, Monty Brown. You're about to get your title shot. He goes, yeah, it's about time. What about Christian? I'm about to show you right now how to hunt. Oh, he just barged in Christian's locker room, and we're going off the air. I'm sure he's having a nice conversation. Like, hey, man, good luck. I'm sure that's definitely what's happening. That's what I'm going to go with. Hey, Bob, what did you think of that episode of Impact? That was all right. That was fine. Yeah, I thought it was good. Thumbs up. Yeah, I think it, I think it was a good post um, pay per view show. We heard well, from our champion. Yeah, we got some good X division action, and uh, the main event I don't think was too bad. So I think yeah, it was, was overall a good show. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess. I mean, I. I'm just, in, I guess I'm kind of intrigued with the whole Jackie Gata thing. I mean, it was definitely uncomfortable what they were. I did not like it, to be honest. Um, I like it. I didn't... Suggesting that she's, uh, the way that I'm interpreting it, they didn't outright say it. But like, oh, we'll re- release this on the internet. I mean, what would you not want released on the internet? A sex tape, right? I mean, that's got to be what they're suggesting. Yeah, I mean, just for fun, I'm trying to, I'm trying to see if anything was, um, Oh, is this? Hold on. I just I think th- I think there's a big one on t- in 2006. I just saw. Nope, she's. She, oh wait, hold on. 
No, no, that's that's 2004. What's 04? Paris? Yeah. Oh shit. Dustin Diamond, 2006. Oh my god, they're going off that. Well, it doesn't have a date, so I don't know if truly yeah. when it was. We we're pretty early in 2006 right now. Yeah. It, Kim Kardashian's 2007. So now Paris Hilton did an interview in 2006 where she um, talks about not making money from it. Um, oh, Pam Anderson's is 2005. So we're definitely around that era of celebrity sex tape scandal things. So they're definitely pulling from it. Well, I guess uh, so. She's getting blackmailed into being part of the. Do you think it's a sex tape with Jared? No. You think? Because she wants the tape. Jared has it. Hmm. I don't know, man. That's weird. Oh, I don't know. Oh, dude, there's even there's more. Um, there's one with Colin Farrell and Nicole Narine. Narine. Um, it was recorded in 2003, but it appeared on the internet in January 20, 2006. Oh, well, then there that might be what we're looking at. There's a couple other. Um, because I, I just there, apparently there's a Wikipedia page you can learn about this. Um. It says Carolyn Murphy's ex-husband, Jake Schroeder, tried to sell one from a 1999 honeymoon. In January 2006, um, this Jake Schroeder guy was arrested and charged with extortion of trying to sell it. And then it eventually leaked on the internet in April 2006 anyways. So there's like a lot of stuff here in early 2006, apparently, that this could theoretically be mentioning. They're yeah. you know, making reference of, right? Yeah. Yeah, because that's... Yeah. I'm not surprised. I mean, I'm, I'm fine with, like, pulling from the headlines and stuff, but it just it makes for kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. Thing. And now she's going to be, like, apparently held hostage over... The- yeah, that's the part I don't like about it, to be honest. Which, I mean, I think the end game here is, like initially she's like blackmailed but then she's just probably going to be part of it well that seems to be a very common trope here it's like i hate you i hate you okay i'll work with you yeah you're not a bad guy after all you're a bad guy yeah but needless to say uh not a bad episode in fact i'm looking forward to our next episode as we are marching toward destination x we already got some matches we got joe daniels Styles Ultimate X for the X Division title. We have Christian Cage versus Monty Brown. Shaping up to be a pretty decent show already, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't seem like it's too bad. And we've already announced several of them on the show. So we can build up the next three weeks mm-hmm. to see there. Um also important to note that um Abyss was not on the show. I even really mentioned. So I wonder. Yeah, that's a really good point. A little while, so. But we'll see. Um, all right, that's going to wrap up this week. We'll be back next week for the February twenty fifth edition of Impact. But until then, for Dallas Greeley, I'm Buckland Jr. And this has been the TNA Cross the Line. Podcast.
podcast.